Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by coronatools.com, the nation's leader in garden and landscaping tools. Listeners of The Organic View can receive 20% off their coronatools.com purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk about the bee protection bill that's in North Carolina, more censorship of the neonicotinoid view, and an invasion of Argentine ants that's migrating to Virginia. So first, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. We're going into kind of a cool spring period with a little moisture that we badly need, but the fruit bloom is starting, the crab apples and cherries mainly, and uh, this is a real shot in the arm for the, for the bees. It's the opening act, the early bloom. Tom, before we get to the topics, can we just talk about the importance of swarms? You and I did an interview a couple of years back about the importance of swarms, and I'm finding that a lot of the listeners are writing in and asking questions about swarms. So can you take a moment and just refresh for our listeners' memories for those who have heard the interview before or who are not aware of the importance of the swarm, just some basic facts. I saw my first swarm when I was about 10 years old, and I was living outside of uh, Denver in one of the rural communities. And I realized even then that they were of no danger to me. I remember coming up right next to them and watching them closely. They weren't the least bit defensive, and they stayed one night and then left the next day. And that was my first exposure to bees. I never knew that I would become a beekeeper, but here I am. Um, I kind of compare it to a cow having a calf. A swarm is the offspring of a colony of bees. And what happens at this time of the year is with these early blooms, the fruit bloom, the dandelions, the colony begins to build. It begins to replace its honey stores. And as it begins to get crowded, whether it's in a hollow tree or a, a hive, a colony, has been provided by a beekeeper, the response of the colony to that is to begin to raise new queens. And just before those new queens emerge, the old queen will leave with roughly half the population. And usually that first flight is a short one, I think because the queen has not been flying. This is only the second time in her life that she's flown. And I think she lands on the first thing that sticks out of the ground. The rest of the bees cluster around her, and they will spend usually spend the night, and then mid-morning the next day, they're off to some location. And they've scouted out the territory, and they've checked out the various hollow trees and hollow walls and empty hives and things like that, and we don't really understand how they've agreed on where they're going to go, but they seem to know. And after that first night, off they go, and they'll wind up in 
a new home, and that's the way the bees increase their numbers. So it's like a cow having a calf, and they're very gentle. These are the young bees. They're not the least bit aggressive. Um, they're like puppies. It's it's a hard sell for some people who've been raised all their life to be fearful of bees, but they're they're very gentle and uh, shouldn't be harmed. Thank you, Tom. And for those of you that would like to learn more, please visit theorganicview.com and use the search tab to find the interview that I did with Tom a couple years back about the importance of swarms. I also would like to point out that if you do have a swarm and you it, it's an inconvenience, whether it's something that you're concerned about because you have small children or it's in a place that is an inconvenience to your home, please contact your local cooperative extension and ask them to refer to you the local beekeeping organization or any beekeepers that might be in the area. Another good uh, place to call is a local fire department or police department. Often beekeepers will register with them. Uh, the, the beekeeper can provide a hive for that swarm and it can become a productive colony of bees. So beekeepers are very interested in picking up swarms. Thanks, Tom. I'd like to now talk about the new bill in North Carolina. It's NC House Bill 363, or the Pollinator Protection Act. This bill follows in the same fashion as a few other bills that are out there and takes initial steps to protect honeybees from pesticide producers by outlawing consumer use of neonicotinoids. However, this bill does not outlaw use by veterinarians, farmers, or licensed applicators of neonicotinoids. But once again, I think it's a step in the right direction. While there are a lot of folks who would prefer an outright ban, I think that it's important that we start somewhere. And I think this is an important bill because it does get the ball rolling. Don't you think, Tom? I have a little different view of it, June. This has been uh, brought forward in a number of states. And I think that uh, while it certainly will have a beneficial effect on a very limited basis, overall, it's not going to change things much. These neonicotinoids are the plutonium of pesticides. They're thousands of times more toxic than DDT. They're being used in huge amounts all over the country. They're water-soluble, and there's no safe dose. These are well-intentioned efforts, but if I were sitting in the corporate war room, I think the conversation would go something like this. Look, guys, uh, they're really getting after us with all this science and everything, and we need to throw them a bone. And we've got some uh, people at the state level who want to limit the homeowner use of these, and I think we need to yield on that or something to that effect. It's Certainly it's a step in the right direction, but there are very few people who grasp the enormity of this environmental poisoning, even now. We're talking about hundreds of billions of pounds of toxic equivalent to DDT every year. Nobody is talking about that but us. And I've said that repeatedly in the public forum, that what's going down in America 
every year is the toxic equivalent of 400 to 600 billion pounds of DDT on top of the applications that have been made in previous years because these products have half-lives of years. Nobody has challenged those statements. And if I'm wrong, I'd like to hear from these people. Well, Tom, the way that we're going to hear from these people is through something that I have been experiencing for many years, producing The Organic View, by something called censorship. On March 25th, I received the following notice from YouTube. Hi, The Organic View. Thank you for submitting your videos for monetization. We didn't approve your videos for monetization because the content in your video or videos details may not be advertiser friendly. If you believe that the content in your video is advertiser friendly, you can request an additional review below. And the video in question is titled, Canadians Ban Deadly Bee Killing Neonicotinoid Pesticides. Now this was a video that was published about a year ago. Because of the controversial subject, which is neonicotinoids, YouTube felt that it was not a subject that was appealing to their advertisers. Now, mind you, the little bit of money that YouTube may send to us is very, very little. You're talking about a couple of dollars every, maybe twice a year at that. And it doesn't even cover the cost of hosting for the show. But every little bit does count. And the fact of the matter is, is that while Tom and I may say what we have learned from the science, and Tom, as a commercial beekeeper, has experienced, this is how we are being silenced. June, you certainly know more about this than most of us do because you're directly affected by it. But as I understand it, the way that you've explained it, YouTube has advertisers. I'm sure that it has hundreds of advertisers, perhaps thousands of advertisers. So what they're doing is they're sanitizing anything on YouTube that may be critical of their advertisers. It's just bizarre to me as a, as a layman. How do we discuss these issues of controversy that we're all faced with? What is the purpose of YouTube? I'd like to get a YouTube executive on this program and hear what their explanation is for this. Yeah, good luck with that. That's not going to happen. Just like when CBS did an interview with, who was it, Jeff Anderson, and they were very careful. I, I do believe you were featured in that interview on CBS. This is a couple of years ago. And they were very careful about presenting both sides of the controversy surrounding neonicotinoids. They stated the concern that the agrochemical companies had, but were very quick to also include the fact that there needs to be more research, even though at that time there was an abundance of research that had been peer-reviewed, published, and independently conducted by some of the world's top scientists, might I add. So this is nothing new. This is just how social media has become. Well, you would have to decide, and you would know whether this is just going to get you in deeper trouble or more censorship, but what I would suggest is that we 
extend the offer to YouTube to explain the position that they've taken and it's not happening it's well not but, happening, but we can it's share we happening. can share their response with the listeners I will not get a response I will get a generic thank you for your your submission and that's it you don't ever get requests that's how it works so we're all we're all being silenced then well, at this particular point yeah but that's how it is even when the show was broadcast live daily, the platform that I was using, and I am not naming it for legal reasons, the platform that I had been using for many, many years would plaster ads for the agrochemical companies all over the account. So whenever a listener would tune into the show, they were bombarded with ads from these companies, and there was nothing that I could do. Meanwhile, they were making, this platform was making money hand over fist, and my listeners were completely irritated, and there was nothing that I could do other than respond with an explanation in detail stating what I just said, do you, and that's it. Do you think that the things that we're talking about today might be censored? They are. That's what this is about, more censorship. I've had my account suspended throughout social media numerous times. I had to submit, I think it was a year ago, I had to submit my passport in order to have my accounts reinstated. I mean, it's crazy. This isn't a credit card. This isn't a, uh, for a bank. This is for social media. It's ridiculous. And then you have people who are out there who are being paid by industry to trash the scientists and to put out that the concerns that we have about the most dangerous and most, most toxic chemicals to penetrate the face of the earth, it's all fake news. It's ridiculous because that's what they are doing. So it's quite interesting to see the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, it's, uh, we have a lot of listeners from a lot of walks of life, and they should be outraged over this. And they should take a personal Involvement. They should they should get involved personally. And how do we how do we discuss the pressing questions of our time when we're stifled like this? This is very serious. If what you're saying is accurate, and I have no reason to believe that it isn't, the people who are listening to this show and and programs like it should be outraged, and they should take some steps to change this. It's about money, Tom, and I've accepted that a long time ago. This isn't my first time dealing with these types of things. Out, we're out here, we call it your first rodeo, June. Exactly. I usually refrain from discussing these types of things because it's kind of par for the course. I'm just used to it at this point. However, since social media is becoming more and more owned by industry, different industries, might I add, if you take a look at any of the major activist groups, for example, if you look at some of the folks that are protesting places like SeaWorld, the anonymous groups, they're campaigns are constantly being censored but they are not going to stop and neither are we the next topic that I'd like to talk about concerns a very interesting situation involving an, what's called the Argentine ants apparently these ants are 
permanently established in California and parts of the southern United States, including Georgia and Florida. But they are apparently migrating to Virginia, and somehow they were transported by landscaping materials and houseplants. The problem with this particular ant is the fact that it does kill honeybees. But what's quite interesting about it, it is a sucking insect. When I was reading the description about these ants, what came to mind was how we had the crisis in which sulfoxiflor was given an emergency conditioned registration. And I'm wondering if they're going, going to do the same thing. So the bottom line is, is that when you take a look at what they've done in the past, it makes you wonder, are they going to use this as an opportunity to sell more of sulfoxaflor? Or some other, or some other exotic chemical. You know, the bottom line here is that the chemical companies exist by creating as many hazards for us out there as they can come up with. They search these life forms looking for something that they can characterize as a danger. And obviously, these Argentine ants seem like a pretty clear case. But the more things they can make us afraid of and offer their chemical remedies for, the better off they are. That's the program. Make everything the boogeyman. And if you have only a hammer, you look for nails. And that's what they're doing. And this could very well be another. It could be sulfoxiflor. It could be clothianidin. It could be thiamethoxam. It could be fipronil. It could be any of a number of unpronounceable chemicals that they're going to trot out to deal with this. There are some remedies, though, for ants, and southeastern beekeepers particularly have dealt with ants from the beginning. And one of the remedies is to take a can, a coffee can, for example, and you have stands for your colonies, and each leg of the stand is in a coffee can half filled with oil. In order for those ants to reach the hive, it has to pass through that oil, and it doesn't pass through that oil. So that's something that southeastern beekeepers have used for generations. Whether it will work with this Argentina ant or not, I don't know. But there are ways to deal with these things without nuking the world. I couldn't agree more. As they say each week, Tom, it remains to be seen. I wanted to mention this because, as I said, I saw this and I thought that this is something that seems to be a repeated pattern of behavior. But once again, it remains to be seen as far as what they propose to do. I just want to take a moment to mention our supporters of the show who have been so gracious Corona Tools, Connie Earhart from It Works, Motorcycle Sump Control Systems, and Nicola from NovenaPrayer.com. They are offering some great discounts and some freebies this month, so please visit TheOrganicView.com forward slash contests for our monthly contests. Folks, tune in next week as Tom and I continue the discussion. Thank you, June, and thank you to our listeners. And uh, I'm sure that we've offended someone in the course of this program. We wouldn't be censored otherwise. Folks, thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with your Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.